You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning, Beckham, what a throw! What a catch! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, you sound really good tonight. What's going on? Ah, uh, our, uh, our not sponsors have finally paid off and gotten this <laughs> upgraded computer, uh, so we don't have Jameson or Yingling to thank. Yes. Thank you, Apple, and thank you, Microsoft, for <laughs> not supplying the new equipment. Yeah, exactly. Um, but hey, keep those five-star reviews coming because you never know. One day we might actually get one. And those five-star reviews, uh, iTunes and SoundCloud, just search for Just Giants, listen to all our episodes or anything that piques your interest. Give us a five-star review and a comment if you do like what you hear. Uh, you can always find me mouthing off on Twitter at football underscore grump. You can find me at the Cranky Fan. Little preoccupied with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning at the moment, but there's That's always true. football news. There's always football. You know, it's a it's a twelve month business doing this podcast. You know, um, so little bit little bit of actual. Um, I, I guess I wouldn't call it actual news, but just something that was picked up by the media this week. Telling, is, telling yeah, information more than news. Landon Collins was on the fan. Frances is back. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that for a minute? Francesca being back? Yeah. I'll have a minority take, and I'm glad he's back because I know what Mike Francesca is. He's entertainment. I mean, you don't listen to him for the the hottest takes and the best, uh, you know, uh, detailed analysis with statistics and uh, everything. You take it for a cranky old man who doesn't get the joke that is himself. So, you know. You think, that's, you think that's you uh, think that's not a popular take? I, th- I feel like that is the popular take is people are glad he's back. I think a lot of people are like, he looks like a big jackass for coming back. Like he made this year and a half retirement party and everybody kissing his ass and he wasn't even gone, you know, five months. And he kind of, you know, had no other options, which he kind of talked about and very, you know, callously was like, it's none of your business what I'm working on. It's something big. And here he is back on a reduced um you know, time period. So I, but for me, I always, you know, I enjoy the show. I enjoy him. I, I love the fact he doesn't get when people are making fun of him and he gets either super pissed off or just doesn't get it. And when something big happens in the New York area, that's usually where I'm going to first, you know, when he released Matt Harvey on Friday and that was the show I wanted, I wanted to hear his reaction and his college reaction. So I, I'm glad he's back. And also it's funny to hear him rip on the jets all the time. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't really care one way or another. Um, I know that the fan without him was garbage. So I guess from that perspective, it's good that he's back. I do think he looks like an idiot for having his Derek Jeter year and then just coming right back and less than less time than he's taken vacation. So exactly. So yeah. it's kind of silly. But in any case, Landon Collins was on the fan, and you know he was just sort of answering questions. And I don't know if you would want to say let slip or maybe said a little bit more than probably should have been said on air for New York media. But, um, apparently Landon Collins, cousin is friends or knows Eric flowers and Eric flowers was upset that the giants signed Nate Solder. Um, what, I don't know what your take is on that. 
Well, let's take it. You know, there's two different things going on here. One, obviously, the the flowers thing. He should be pissed that they drafted someone to take his place. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was pissed they drafted a quarterback. He's not taking his place, you know, in 2018, but he was pissed. I mean, nobody wants, you know, it's a perception that they're trying to replace you and he has the right to be pissed. But, you know, the writing is on the wall with Eric Flowers. He did not produce what was expected of him as a high first round pick. And then forget that, you know, as the expectation level drops from a, you know, a, a potential cornerstone franchise left tackle just being someone that's functional in the league. He underachieved that as well. I know he had a little bit of a halfway decent run sort of last year in the beginning of the year, but he ended up as someone that was inactive the last game of the season. That's quite a fall from grace from being, you know, the eighth or ninth pick or whatever he was. So, yeah, the Giants are ready to move on with him. They didn't pick up his fifth year. Um, they're ready to move on from him. Um, but the other thing I think is interesting in this story, more so than the Flowers thing, is uh, Landon Collins. Another time he's trying to – I think he's attempting to in the media act like a leader and a captain on this team. And I'm curious what your take is. Is he saying too much dirty laundry in public or is it something he needs to keep in-house? I think the information that he's getting out is not dirty laundry I, I think he is trying to be a captain. I think his wording, what he's choosing to say, how much information he's divulging is perhaps too much for the media to over-exaggerate. And, you know, that's sort of what they do. But I, I think the idea he was trying to get across was, yeah, he's pissed. He wants to earn that position. You know, there's a reason he's not here is because he's upset. But, you know, and for all the reasons you mentioned, he has every right to be upset. I mean, that's... You're working towards something and all signs are pointing towards the organization giving up on you. That's fine. And I don't think he meant it to be in the direction of Eric Flowers is immature so he didn't show up because he's upset. But that's sort of the way it gets taken when you when you say it like that. Um, I think he is attempting to be a leader and I think he's going to learn how to deal with the media as it as he makes these little little mistakes. I think he was doing it to serve as a motivation for flowers. Like, Hey, listen, you know, this is on you. You know, if you want to stay on this team, if you want to keep your starting job, you know, even at right tackle, you have to step up. And I think maybe he thought maybe a little media public prodding is what he can do to help the process. Well, that could be too. But I don't know. I mean, something like that. I mean, I think it'd be a little different if it was a defensive player. You know, sure. Let's say, yeah. Let's say it was Eli Apple or someone that was having issues, and he's like, "Well, I heard this." When you kind of go across the uh, the locker room to the other side of the ball, it gets a little dicey. I think when you're speaking out. I mean, I can't think of any time we've heard Eli ever talk about a defensive player in like this type of situation. So. I well, don't know. yeah. I mean, also though, Eli is a savant with dealing with the media. I mean, he's. He's never really spoken out, had something taken – I mean the most I can think of is the time that he, he considered himself elite. And that was talked about all year. It happened to be his career year. Right. But this – is, This is also a story for the first week in May. Exactly, yeah. This, this, isn't, this isn't the Miami boat trip. This isn't something of major importance. No. Nope. This is, you know – this is – we need something for 
the back page when the Yankees aren't on or something. So it's it's not a big deal. No, I don't think so. Um, and I mean, this is also. I mean, did did we learn anything from this? From this story that Eric Flowers is upset and he wants to be the left tackle, but it looks like I mean, of course he is. We we know this. Duh. Yeah, I would have been more upset if he would have reported that Flowers didn't really care. Was ambivalent about sure, it. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one thing. I guess we can kind of start to segue this into our discussion about the offense. You know, post draft and post post free agency. Let, let's start with Eric Flowers. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of people have penciled him as completely off this team and written off, but I still think he has a legitimate chance to be our starting right tackle when the season starts. I think he has the upper hand for it. I know I know <laughs> that he has not played it yet and whatever, but again, he was on an island at left tackle. There's no reason to think that Chad Wheeler is suddenly going to be better. I mean, Chad Wheeler could certainly win it away from him, but I have Eric Flowers penciled in as a starter at right tackle at this moment. I, I, and if not a starter, I see him as a major rotational guy sure. on either side. Um, I think one or two things are going to happen. I think he's either going to get cut or he's going to be the starting right tackle. I don't think there's going to be this middle ground of, you know, well, he's still on the team, but he's a backup right tackle. I mean, that will cause more problems than anything. And again, for the... What they're paying him and what his roster spot is. Um, and again, there were stretches last year he did not play that poorly sure. in his reputation. I mean, you have you know douchebags like John Gruden just blasting the guy at any moment he can, but he actually wasn't playing that poorly for a while. You know, when the season's three and eleven and three and twelve, and you know, you've mentally checked if you're not a smart, strong person, you are gonna check out. So he's not a long term person on this team i get that you know he's a short timer but while he's here i think he'll be the starting right tackle and he has every reason to be to be trying harder i mean he knows now that he is a free agent he does not have his fifth year option and he's since uh changed agents he's with drew rosenhouse so if he is on this team he has every opportunity now it's in his best interest to win that right tackle spot, put some good tape out there, because even if he does have a good year this year, I still think the odds of him being on this team next year are low. Drew Rosenhaus, Drew Rosenhaus was hired for his next contract on the open market. Sure, and and like I said, he it's in his best interest to win it, and I'm sure he knows that. Yeah, I mean, all he has to do is look at other guys that are on this team. JPP kicked ass Yeah, in his contract year. Um, guys like Olivier Vernon, who are on other teams, kicked ass in their contract year and got these big contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I, a lot of people have him penciled off this team. I have him penciled in at the starting right tackle. I think I think that at this moment he's the starter. He hasn't shown up for anything yet. So, I mean, it's hard to keep him penciled in for very long. But, yeah, I, I, I think that him and Nate Solder are the bookends. Uh, I think I said this on the last show. Will Hernandez, I, I really foresee it left guard. I know that Patrick Omame was the left guard for Jacksonville, but he has some right guard experience, whereas Will Hernandez has none. And I really don't like the idea of bringing a rookie in and immediately switching positions when yeah, he's so good I, at something. I think you're building for the future. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, this is not a couple of tweaks and we're in the Super Bowl. I think we're in that kind of gray area of mm, complete rebuild to 
well, maybe if some breaks go our way, we could possibly make the playoffs next year type of thing. Yeah. But I think you're leaning more towards the future with this team. And to me, you get him started at left guard and, and away you go and you, you configure the rest of your offensive line around that. You've, you, you've invested a lot in him. He's basically a first-round pick that fell and you got lucky getting him. I think you, I think you go where he's comfortable first. Yeah, you don't don't fuck it up by changing his position yeah, and- just because you signed some free agent who, by the way, was the worst starter on that offensive line for Jacksonville of the five. Well, let's so. let's put that in perspective. Though. The worst starting offensive lineman on Jacksonville is our well. What that, that's not that's not my on this team. That's yeah, not my I know point. What you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 not like we signed Andrew Norwell. That's what I'm right. saying. You know, then I, you could have, you could make an argument with me, but mm-hmm. you didn't. Um, I, I have Brett Jones <laughs> penciled in at center. Also, I don't really think anyone else is going to take that away from him. Um, some some other guys I think are still making this team. Chad Wheeler, obviously, I think has a a good chance. Um, Adam Biznawadi, we don't really know what he is. He didn't really see a whole lot of action last year. Um, John Jalapio has shown some versatility on the interior of the line. I think he has a good chance to, you know, make this team as a backup. John Greco used to play with Pat Shermer. Um, and he, he filled in some bit at the end of last year, despite not knowing any of the playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about John Jerry staying on this team? I think he's going to survive. I really do. I think he's, you know, he's one of the guys I've been calling a cockroach for a while. He just seems to hang around, and I think, uh, I think he's going to hang around. I don't think we have the depth on this team to release a guy like him. I mean, obviously, you don't want him starting, but I think he's pretty versatile, and he can, you know, he can be an even important guy in the rotation. So I think he's going to stay. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think he's probably like the 50th of the 53 guys that aren't going to be on the roster, but. Uh... Yeah, I, I think with his versatility and where you can just kind of plug him in and go, sure, you don't want him starting, but I think he's definitely an asset to have off the bench for sure. And guess and guess what? By week five, he might be starting somewhere due to injury or to sure. whatever reason. So, and you don't feel like you know it's the end of the world if he does. You know, if Biznawadi has to start a game or something, you're getting a little nervous. Even if, or even Chad Wheeler has to start somewhere, you get a little nervous. Yeah, of course. But I think if Jerry has to go in there, it's like, okay, we can, you know. We we know this game. It's kind of like the backup quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Giants signed undrafted free agent Nick Gates out of Nebraska. Um, in my brief review of him, the, the kid needs to get stronger. He's a practice squad candidate at best. I wouldn't really get too excited about him. Mm-hmm. One of those uh, one of those races, like the fifth wide receiver, he spent an inordinate time reviewing during training camp and then by week three we completely forgot their names yeah yeah I, and i mean you know maybe maybe for 2019 2020 okay we could talk about his development and maybe he's some swing guard or something but or not, some not a name to hang on to yeah yeah okay um i i guess we can jump right into the quarterback spot right uh you know, the Giants signed Alex Tanney in addition to drafting Kyle Lauletta. Uh, they still have Davis Webb from last year. Eli Manning, how much longer is he going to be here? I mean, I see it as Manning, Webb, and Lauletta on this team. Yeah, I, I see getting Lauletta and Tanny, and I, we talked about this on last week's show, as they are investing more in Davis Webb than we thought. And they want 
backups that are not going to challenge him too hard to be, you know, that, hey, if he completely outplays Davis Webb, Davis Webb's going to be the third string and never play. I think they want someone to, you know, to get some reps in, in, in training camp and, you know, push him a little bit. But I think they, I think they've made the decision that Davis Webb is going to be their eventual heir apparent as of this moment. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's just interesting that prior to Ben McAdoo, we had only ever seen two quarterbacks on this roster at a time. And now even after Ben McAdoo, it's looking like it's going to be three for at least this year, possibly next year as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, and actually, even after Eli Manning, I mean, until we really see how good or bad Davis Webb is, there's probably still going to be three quarterbacks in the roster. I would think so. Um I mean, I, I still think this, you know, how much has this training, uh, this coaching staff really worked with Eli or Davis where they haven't worked with Loretta at all yet. They don't know what they have. I mean, they're still getting used to the building. They're still getting used to, you know, installing an offense. I think it's going to take some time to figure this out. You know, if this was a, a staff that had been around for a couple of years. You might not see the third quarterback, but I think right now they're still trying to you know, figure out what they want to do and what they have and what the hand they've been dealt with. So, um, I, I still think that Davis Webb, and, and, and unless the situation changes, unless somehow, you know, a high first round pick falls into the lap next year, you know, it's, it's possible that this team could be, you know, four and 12 again next year. Sure. We didn't expect it last year. And let's say Eli breaks his leg in week two, Eli breaks his leg in week two. This team could be fighting for that number one pick again. And then you might see us put all our chips in for a quarterback in next year's draft. But you, you just don't know. I, I don't think the full playbook will be opened up to a Davis Webb or Valletta or anybody if Eli goes down early in the season, very early in the season. I think it's just, you know, you're going to lean heavy on your running game. Because don't forget, you still have Saquon Barkley on this team now. And that could take a lot of pressure off a quarterback like a Webb if he had to go in and play. I don't give a shit that he's a rookie. Running backs like that can – that's the easiest position in this league to get plugged in right away and be a workhorse. Yeah, so let's let's jump right into it. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so now now we have an interesting spot because um, it's Barkley, Jonathan Stewart, Wayne Gallman, Paul Perkins. Is Paul Perkins completely out of this mix? I mean, does he have any special team value? I mean, he's played some. He hasn't really flashed a whole lot. And the answer is he's he's out of the mix. Yeah. <laughs> be very honest. I mean, it's tough break for him, but, you know, he had his opportunities. He was the starting running back last year and didn't really show that much. Well, how do you, how do you see those that, that three-man rotation going then? I mean, Saquon Barkley is a legitimate three-down back that this team has literally never had, but then again is coming in as a rookie. Um, you know, Jonathan Stewart, the question of is he washed up or was he being misused in Carolina the last couple of years has come up a couple of times. And Wayne Gallman, by all means, has shown himself to be a good rotational back. And, you know, in his ability to block, catch passes, run routes, and just run straight up the middle. I have a gut feeling that by the end of the season, Gallman will be the second running back and Jonathan Stewart will be a, a distant third running back. I think, I think he's going to kind of He's utilized as much as Shane Vereen was, where it's just really not as much as we thought he was. And 
I, I think Gallman steps up to be the second running back on this team. Yeah, I think I think early on Jonathan Stewart's going to have a much bigger role and it's going to slowly disappear. But again, in the same way of John Jerry, he'll be around for the entirety of the season as a not-so-bad guy to have come off the bench when Gallman's nicked up, Barkley's nicked up. You know what I mean? I, I think it's a great situation for him, actually. I mean, yeah. I think it's the best possible situation for Jonathan Stewart is you're right. I think they're going to slow. I mean, I think Barkley's going to get a lot of carries around, but I think he's going to become the super workhorse on this team later on, more and more as the season goes. So I think you'll have more of a fresher Jonathan Stewart later on in the season. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think the one, two punch is going to be Barkley Gallman. Yeah, I think so too. Um, This is an interesting prospect. Do you think Shane Smith stays on as fullback in this offense? Because I, I, I do actually. I, I think he can. I again I think I, I think this coaching staff is gonna see the limitations of what this offensive line still has. It's better than it was last year, but things like more blocking tight ends and, and having help from the offensive line with the tight ends and having a full block back who can who can block in, in short yard situations helps that offensive line. I, I think he will be. Yeah, and I mean on by all accounts when he was used as a fullback, which was mostly in the preseason uh we saw the most of it he looked great and i feel like he was only kept on as a fullback as the first step of ben mcadoo doing some lip service mm-hmm. you know just kind of like okay everybody says we need a fullback fine i'll keep a fullback on the roster and yeah. then he just was never used right right um was he hurt at all last year uh he may have been I, i've been trying to f- remember that but i i don't think it was the same kind of hurt as, you know, like Beckham, like out all year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If he was nicked up, that's one thing, but he was just simply not playing. Or put on the shelf because of some phantom injury that... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that this isn't going to be some power scheme running offense, but I think his versatility and being an H-back um, is going to help him stay in this offense. And I think in some situations they're just gonna go you know power man they're gonna have a a fullback back there so Mm -hmm. i yeah i think he sticks i think he does a good job i think he will be one of those unsung heroes of why the run game worked better this year than last year Mm -hmm. i agree um i mean i think tight ends is probably the easiest position to try and figure out um yeah I, i would say so evan ingram is definitely a rising star in the nfl um Jerry Reese definitely hit a home run with that draft pick. I was skeptical at first, um, but the, the kid's a stud. And he had to be a stud last year because we were so depleted at wide receiver. I mean, he actually played wide receiver for a game or two. We were, we were so down the depth chart. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I've said this a couple times, um, and it's not just the connection with Pat Shermer from Minnesota. I just think in general it's the way Pat Shermer runs his offense. Rhett Ellison is going to be much more integral to this offense. Um, I thought he was a great free agent signing by Jerry Reese that was just not used by Ben McAdoo again. Um, but, I mean, the guy is a good route runner for a tight end, has good hands for a tight end, and is a good blocker. I mean, he's not going to jump off the page as like the first guy you think of as a perfect tight end, but he does everything balanced. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's something that this team needs more guys with balance, more yeah. guys that can do a lot of little things. 
there's going to be a lot of mix and max, especially within the first year of a, of a new coaching staff and a, and, a, and a scheme change too. You know, they don't know what they have yet. They don't know how it's all going to fit. So having more moving parts helps that process. Yeah, I agree. I think the real battle will be for a third tight end spot. Um, you know, Jarrell Adams, there's no reason for this coaching staff to take him unless he shows something. He has shown very little. Um, again, you know, there's not much for him to show in such a what was such a shit show of a team last year. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he does have all the attributes. He has shown that he can be a good blocker, but I mean, he didn't do much in the receiving game. If he can show himself, he can win that spot. Otherwise, I think Kyle Carter, who was signed almost immediately once Pat Shermer came on, um, is his his biggest competition. He's a it would be his second year. This would be his second year. He was claimed off waivers, um, okay. but again, the fact that he was claimed almost immediately really says something about um, what Pat Shermer had seen in him in Minnesota. And you could take a flyer, and I mean, he probably is the league minimum. It's not like he's busting your cap or anything. So. Oh no 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 no. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Jarrell Adams is really going to have to distinguish himself at this point because it's his third year now. And it's it's his third year, and this is his you know the the slate is wiped clean with a guy like him with yeah. the new staff. So, but that means you have a very small runway to make an impression. You know, when you have a ninety man roster, there's not right. a lot of snaps to go around. So you got to make every catch you can, every mm-hmm. block you can. So, I think that's going to be one of the bigger camp battles that we'll talk about and won't matter. Right. <laughs> um. I, I guess the more interesting thing will be the wide receiver spot. Um, we know that solidified the one-two punch is going to be Beckham and Shepard, um, but then it really kind of gets hairy. There's no that we don't have that big, tall Brandon Marshall anymore. Uh, I think Roger Lewis has definitely showed himself on special teams, and you know when the wide receiver core was decimated last year, definitely stepped up. Um, I think for the role of what he is, exactly. Fine. Yes, yes, exactly. As that fourth wide receiver, special teams guy, yes. But, I mean, I don't really know that he's the number three. I mean, the Giants signed big, tall Cody Latimer from Denver, but he hasn't really done anything in Denver to distinguish himself either. And he's only 6'2". I mean, he's not like the size of the uh, yeah, you know, the Brandon Marshall, Plasco Burris type of you know guy who goes up and gets it at a high point type of yeah. guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Brandon Marshall's only 6'3", but, I mean, he plays big. I, I, I was shocked. I, I mean, I thought he was like six four, six four and a half. But yeah, I was surprised I to see that. Um, and and then after Cody Latimer, it's really just a wash of names you won't hear very often. You know, Khalif Raymond played sparingly last year, mostly as the punt and kick returner. So maybe he has an edge up. Um, Travis Rudolph, fan favorite from Florida State, who showed very well in preseason and. We all knew that where that was going to go when the real season came around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Keon Johnson, a name that sort of came up last year because he's tall. Hunter Sharp caught a touchdown pass I in week like 17. I don't know if this is much necessarily a bold statement, but I think the two places where those roster spots, those guys are not on the roster yet are going to be, you know, that third, fourth receiver. And I think a starting right tackle. But my bold, that's more my bold prediction than this one. It kind of like segued into it, but I think there is a receiver out there that's going to be cut. That's going to be inserted right into this wide receiver core and play a pretty, you know, 
pretty large role as a depth guy, if not like a third receiver. Yeah, and we don't think that's Des Bryant, right? Uh, no. Yeah. Not at all. I'm going to agree with that, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I actually fully agree with that. Yeah, I, I think the right tackle spot and the, the third wide receiver spot, that the name is not on the roster yet. Yeah, I'm looking at this list. Like I said, we said Roger Lewis, he's he's adequate for what he is, but you know, you also would like to maybe upgrade a little from him. Yeah. I mean, he's the floor of what you want for that, his role, but we saw what happened with all the injuries last year. It's just a guy really out there running routes and, you know, We'll make a play here and there, but also had some drops here and there. So yeah, um, the Giants signed two wide receivers as undrafted free agents: uh, Jawill Davis from Bethune uh, Cookman. Um, Bethune Cookman. Yeah. yeah, I was I was not impressed with uh, the pinnacle of a guy who does not use his height. You know, lets the ball come to him, catches pop fly kind of style. Mm-hmm. Don't like that. Can't imagine him sticking. But Devon Grayson from East Carolina. I mean, this guy was the number one there, and that's not really saying much. But East Carolina is still a step above Bethune Cookman. Right, at least it's Division One. Yeah, he, he runs a, a four five. I mean, his his combine stuff did not look bad. I he's a guy who could actually end up sticking, going all the way up to the number three spot. No, maybe not. But um, he's a guy I'm definitely going to keep my eye on as as we read these practice reports and so on in the coming weeks. This is when you look at you know the fourth quarter of that you know second game. Yeah. And this is this is where it keeps you watching. Yeah. And on that note, practices are starting. I believe players are showing up Thursday, and practices are starting Friday. So, what kind of things are we going to expect from you know this weekend's practices? Well, we're hoping nobody gets hurt. That's oh, the most important that, thing. <laughs> that is the motto from now until September: no injuries. Oh, I guess to me the most important thing from this mini camp really is the coaches' interaction and how they're working with Davis Webb. I mean, Barkley, we know what he is. He'll be, you know, he's going to be your starting running back, and he's going to be, you know, that workhorse. Um, even Kyle Aletta, it's, you know, I'm not too interested in what they're going to be doing with him. To me, it's all about Davis Webb. It's, you know, how are they going to use him in drills, and how what are they? Are they going to kind of push him really hard to see what he the potential is for a guy like him? Or, you know, Eli's Eli, not too concerned about him at all either. So my biggest thing is hearing from the practice reports what they make of Davis Webb. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I'm more inter- not more interested. I'm very interested in what the offensive line makeups, and I'm sure they're going to mix and match guys, move them around, find everybody's best fit. Um, I'm interested in the way they line up how many tight end sets, um, the formations. I mean, we have been so conditioned. I I understand that this is like not training camp yet, but, um, but it's telling though. It is. Yeah. I mean, like we've been so conditioned over the last couple of years to see the same 11 personnel on every single play that, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a whole other playbook out there. I mean, well, I'll I'll be interested. You know, the first time they line up is, you know, bring this back to front. Is Eric Flowers lining up as the starting right tackle? Is he working with the ones? Yeah. I mean, I would think if I'm the coaching staff that I would have him starting up, lining up with the ones and see, you know, is he showing that hunger? Is he showing the right attitude? Is he showing a willingness to learn? I mean, I don't think putting him in a position to fail is going to help him succeed. And won't help the team succeed either. Exactly. If you start him off, you know, get with the twos or even the threes at right tackle, you could forget it. He's done. 
he's checked out and that's the end of it. I think, you know, everybody has to be treated a little differently. This isn't the Junction Boys of 1953 where you have five a days in 100 degree weather. I mean, you have to kind of play personalities and things. And, you know, as much as this is heading towards a divorce, it ain't over yet. They have to sleep in the same bed together. So, <laughs> wow, that was such a great metaphor and yet such a disturbing image. Yeah, <laughs> I I expect them to shuffle guys, and I I think that he'll he'll get the first couple starts at right tackle. I think they'll they'll kind of move Chad Wheeler in there with the ones at sometimes Biznawadi oh, maybe. I they be do when we doing their due diligence if they didn't. I'm just saying from a psychological standpoint for uh, Flowers, they will start him. Yeah, you know the first set of reps will be him with the ones at right tackle. Yeah, there's I, some there's some fence building that has to be you know fence mending has to be done. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, like I said, these practices start Friday. Uh, so if you follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, uh, I will be retweeting and giving my thoughts on things that I'm seeing from other reporters. If you were to go to iTunes and SoundCloud and leave a bunch of five-star ratings and comments, <laughs> maybe there would be a day where we would get to attend these sort of things, and I could give you my thoughts directly with my own eyes. Yeah. Vote um, early and vote often. That's yeah. what I say. Yeah. But, uh, you're right. They are not open to the public or to um, podcast hosts. Yeah. So unfortunately, we will uh, we'll be relying on the outstanding beat writers that we do follow. Yeah. And they know who they are out there. So. And um, as always, you can follow the cranky fan who is knee deep in lightning hockey right now, but definitely just as interested in the Giants. I, I am knee deep in everything right now. I'm knee deep at yelling at Boston people. I am knee deep at, you know, dealing with unbearable Yankee fans and you I'm sure a lot of you people listening are those so I say to you relax <laughs> it's May 7th calm down <laughs> you know, you're still not in first place yet so relax but um, you can catch me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan and if you want some Florida Gator information my companion podcast Mark and the cranky fan where we discuss all things Florida Gator football so yeah and you were on the local radio down there right that's right. I was giving my two cents for my Tampa Bay Rays, which is, you know, why the cranky fan is as cranky as he is. So, yeah, I'm branching out in this multimedia conglomerate that is me with no sponsors anywhere. <laughs> that is that is super cool, though. <laughs> um, it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. So even if you're not a Rays fan, if you're a Yankees fan, it's still the AL East. Give it a listen. Um, and as always the show is bumped on Twitter at JustGiantsPod I hear it's really good (laughs) check it out alright everyone go Giants go Giants go Giants